This week, Girls on Film is back at the Women in Production Summit in Atlanta, Georgia. First up is Septosa Foster. An award-winning communications expert, Foster leads the Black Women in Film Network and is a managing partner of the 135 Agency, where she oversees clients like the Oprah Winfrey Network, Google, and more. Joining Foster is Sean Pinkston of the Association of Women Directors. Pinkston is best known for The Cardinal Rule, Mama, and Take Over Your Trap. And finally, the girls welcome Lynn Hilden. As the associate producer for Atlanta-based pop films, Hilden's current claim to fame is the hit Viacom series, Being Mary Jane. Hilden manages a large team of actors and actresses, costume and production designers, grips, camera, and post-production crew, as well as a host of other creative and technical people to bring the hit Viacom television show to life. Hey everybody, this is Sarah Smith and Teresa Roth. We are Girls on Film Podcast. We are at the Women in Production Summit at Georgia Public Broadcasting today. And you can hear outside, we're behind a closed door, and there are tons of ladies here. There are women in production talking about production. It is fantastic. Fantastic. And we are so, so lucky that we have two great guests here. Sean Pinkston. Hello, Sean. How are you? Hello. Doing fantastic. Sean's an independent filmmaker. And Septosa, who we, Septosa Foster, who we have met before, which is so nice to see you. Nice to see you. Septosa is, amongst other things, the chair of Black Women in Film Network, which is a fantastic organization here in Georgia. And um, started out very small. I don't even know, 20 years ago. 22. 22 years ago. And um, we were recently at that event. They had a big, big summit um, at Atlanta Technical College. And that thing was packed. Yeah. Great programming. Thank you. Great programming. So congratulations on that. To you both. But if we could start with um, Septosa, we would love to hear about why you're here today at at this event. Well, uh, Black Women Film Network is one of the presenting organizations of the Women in Production Summit. There are five of us. Uh, I represent BWFN. Uh, Sean represents Alliance of Women Directors. Mm -hmm. We also have the Producers Guild of America, Women's Impact Network, Film Fatales, and the Women in Film and Television Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So we're here, and already I have been completely blown away by the energy, the information that has been shared, the expertise. The networking. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what it's really all about. We earlier, um, Sean and I had the opportunity to serve on a panel that was called the state of our industry in Georgia Mm -hmm. and we had Mo Ivory who's an entertainment attorney she really broke down all of the particulars of HB 481 because what's been happening is there's been a lot of panic and anxiety about what that the impact of that legislation will mean however we you know 
pushed aside those feelings mm -hmm. and broke down what are the facts and the reality. And so by the end of that panel, I don't know about you, Sean, but mm -hmm. I felt completely empowered yes. and energized. Yes. Almost like, you know what, whatever mm -hmm. happens is going to happen. But when we're here as women and the theme is partnering for power, yes, partnering we're going to get through it. We're going to come together, really get through it. And I think, honestly, our industry is going to be better for it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, getting the facts of, of, of this bill. Um, and one thing that Zaptosa shared earlier was that, you know, it's the fear, basically, right. that's that's driving kind of the panic, if right. you will. Absolutely. And so what we want women to get today, especially in, in our industry, is to leave informed and empowered, um, being ready to form those relationships. Yep. As Nancy Prager, um, our speaker who actually taught on our theme, Partnering for Power, um, has shared with us is that, you know, we've got to be intentional about our partnering relationships and now knowing how we can move forward and 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 be strengthened in in our careers through those partnerships right so all of these women all i, I don't know how many hundred of hundreds three, of women yeah, 350 yeah okay yeah, so so all of these women and including teresa and myself and uh and port wilson here who's not a women um <laughs> but but we all learned something from mo because we had mo on yeah. a little mm -hmm. while okay. ago and mm -hmm. she really opened our eyes too and mm -hmm. helped us mm -hmm. um, but all of these women here have now correct information yes. and they know how to talk about it too at least 350 more people mm -hmm. and then more and more and more yeah. so yeah. I the empowerment that you get from from knowing what the what the truth is is so is so great um, yeah. on that panel what else was pulled out about the state of the entertainment industry in Georgia right now, because our podcast is all about the entertainment business in this state. Yeah, that there that there's still work being done, right? Yeah. That's that's the main thing that there's, uh, you know, still work being done, and that you know, even though we we know what the the state of the law is, um, the, the the thing that we you know have to remember is that it hadn't passed yet, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah, and so even you know whether it does or not, there's still work being done. And also that there are examples of some solutions that have been happening now. So um, I, I talked about this on the panel, but I had the opportunity to, opportunity to meet Callie Moore, who's a camera assistant here in Georgia, and she's also the founder of StayAndFightGeorgia.com. And she, you know, just being a woman, everyday woman in production, decided to form a movement and an, uh, an alliance that will allow us to to um, receive funding and she was you know she started a GoFundMe to make sure that we have resources for women who want to stay in Georgia and work and then has talked with production companies who have you know committed to funding and, and supporting her movement we also found you know I also you know talked about how earlier on when this issue was uh, uh, hit the news you know Jordan Peele was one of the first mm. to say I'm not leaving Georgia thank God mm. I'm, yes. yeah yep. I'm keeping yes. and what I'm mm -hmm. going to do is yeah. stay and work with the movements that are you know um, yep. you know that are working for a solution yes. so I think that's an example to say that you know we before we race to the end and feel you know, um, you know, predict doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. We can come together and come up with some solutions. And I think, you know, one point, you know, that we brought up is 
you know, expand your network. Yeah. Make sure that you are meeting other people, networking at events like this, because right. we're going to need each other in order to get through this situation. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that, you know, again, we walked away with some tools and some suggestions tools. that are going to help us. Good That's work. great. Yeah. Tools. Well, besides that panel, of course, and Mo's talk, what are some other speakers that you look forward to, to hearing today? Well, I know that we are um, excited about One X Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, BWFN was actually the, the the supporter of that and brought them in. One X Studios is a branded content agency that is owned by Urban One Inc. and it's five women. I actually became familiar with them a couple years ago when a, a website is Urban One owns I One Digital, which owns Bossip, Hello Beautiful, Madame Noir. Uh, they were in 2017. They launched Caches, and so you know in that launch you know I'm seeing the promos and the regular creative that was um, you know that came out that was launched in association with the rollout of the site and then little did I know that this co this um, company is run by women wow you know because it's not the head of the company the head of that department is not a woman but it's run by mm -hmm. women and I'm like oh my god yes. because we know you know essentially you know they are a tool, an arm of the sales team. So when advertisers come and say, hey, I have an idea, or I want you, you give me an idea of how we should engage with the, the digital brands, they come up, they produce mm. from soup to nuts, nice. everything. Nice. So I thought it was really valuable to bring them here to talk yeah. about to producers and, you know, and our audience and others, how do you position your independent projects for brands? Like, oh, how gosh, do you make yes. those relationships? Yes. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. Yes. As an independent definitely. filmmaker, I'm definitely yes. excited <laughs> about that. And one of the things I look for, this is um, my second year, but this is the fourth annual um, Women in Production Summit. This is my second year of, of representing my company and being a part. Um, I'm looking to forward to the networking event. Yeah. Because all the wonderful information has gone forth. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, empowered, but it's in the room together when we begin to really unpack how we how this looks what we've learned how this looks in our individual lives and that's this the networking event is when those partnerships take place right. you know i love it when someone you know i'm looking forward to someone tapping me on my shoulder and say hey sean can we i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> you know but let's, let's the follow the steps yeah. let's follow the steps <laughs> right we've, yeah we, we've been informed on on how to follow yeah. the steps you know so yeah i'm looking forward to the networking event that's it great. seems like there might we might need to have more things like this happen yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it strengthens our industry. I think, you know, when things, um, when we're faced with challenges, um, division and mm. chaos is really our enemy. That weakens mm. us as a community. But I think through Women in Production Summit has really demonstrated for four years that there is an active, viable, legitimate uh, community of women in production here in yeah. Georgia who yeah. have a voice, mm -hmm. who organize and come together to you know promote issues and, and things that are, are critical to us. And I think it's being more and more as each year goes on, it's being demonstrated that we are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So we need to continue these conversations, and hopefully one day the summit can happen more than once a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we look down the line, what are some upcoming projects for you two? 
Well, yeah. well, I'll go first because you, you my list first. is probably yeah. a little shorter than Saptosa. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually uh, in production um, for a short film of one of my, I graduated from Georgia State University, GSU Panthers. Yay. Yay. And um, one of my instructors there, Dr. Shirlene Holmes, she um, reti- retired last year. Um, she wrote some pieces and um, I actually formed a partnership with her to produce and um, direct um, some of the pieces that she wrote. So we're actually in production for one of her um, short films called Heartaches. Um, and I am in development for my second feature, um, Two Women. That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Well, I'm on the marketing and PR side of things. So we work with um, the Oprah Winfrey Network, which we just premiered, Will Packer Productions' new drama series, Ambitions. Right. That was on Monday. And with a Georgia homegrown, the whole, it's an enormous cast oh, and crew. Right. And these are all, and tons of women um, who are behind the seat, uh, you know, behind and in front of the camera. Um, also working with Warner Brothers on rolling out some films, The Kitchen being one of them, Just Mercy, which was shot in Georgia, a large part of it, being another one that's coming out later this year. Um, and, you know, a, a number of smaller um, independent uh, projects. We also work with Bounce TV, which is nice. television network here based, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are we stay busy. I feel like it's, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to be busy. I want to stay busy in mm-hmm. Georgia so that, you know, and I love to see homegrown, you know, talent um, here really hit the national stage. Like, I was so proud um, every every year, as you know, when the, these numbers are released about the billions of dollars that are, of revenue and production in Georgia, I just feel really proud because it's really important to know that if you you're from the South yes. or if you are near the South, that you don't always have to make you know the West migration or go up north. You can actually live and support your yeah. family here. So we gotta protect that yeah, and make sure that you know we are doing everything that we can and coming together to make sure that we can still say in 2020, 2021, that Georgia, you can come to Georgia yes. you, 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 and, and, and really have a successful career. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, there's been such a, a huge industry that's built up in Georgia around that very thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many people out there that are making a great yeah. living and supporting their families yeah. because of this industry. Absolutely. My best friend is a costume uh, supervisor. She is union. And, um, you know, we went to college together. And she has the, the, the experiences that she's had as a costume supervisor in Georgia and the production she's worked on has been incredible and she's doing it here in Georgia right not in Canada yeah. New right. York right. or or LA so you know I, I've seen it and I know there are many stories like her yeah that's so inspiring and and this is what the women today need to need to hear need to know yeah. that you know we're on the inside and yeah. to be able to connect with with those of us who are are working who are actually producing and supporting each other and being a fan of one another yeah you know? exactly I'm such a fan of Septosa and now a new fan of of you guys but that's what it takes you know being a fan of one another right Um, so yeah no that's great well it's just it's a great day and powerful partnerships that's what it's all about so we thank you so much for your participation and being on our podcast thank you thank you and uh you know who knows down the line we'll have to interview you again because you'll have all kinds of great things happening oh thank you it's been an honor thank you Sarah and Teresa thank you all right well Thanks, everybody out there. Uh, We are Girls on Film, and we are out. Am I living it right? Why? Why, George?
Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to Girls on Film. I'm Port Wilson, and I direct and sometimes offer my two cents with the girls when the spirit moves me. The girls and I appreciate you, and today we want to share some points from a terrific sponsoring company, Halpern Financial. If you're like me, you have a list of things you'd like to accomplish with your savings. Do you want to save for college, save for retirement, get actionable advice on investment, buy or lease a car? Halpern's experts are on call 24-7. With their fee-only approach, Halpern will only recommend strategies that are beneficial to you. It's time to coordinate your finances. It's time to get a financial physical. Visit halpernfinancial.com and get going. Also, because of their strong reputation and connections, Halpern Financial enjoys bulk pricing. This means that you benefit and have more access to investment opportunities that are typically reserved for institutional investors, and that's important. I want you to know that Halpern is independent. Halpern is completely transparent, and Halpern is a fiduciary, fee-only, independent advisor that only gets paid when you make money. Visit Halpern Financial online at halpernfinancial.com, that's H-A-L-P-E-R-N financial.com, and take an online tour of their services. Sign up for their newsletter, and don't forget to say you were referred by Girls on Film. It's a painless way to get educated on your options, so don't wait another day to get started. Visit halpernfinancial.com and sign up for information or a call with one of their amazing financial advisors. Don't forget to mention Girls on Film. Tell me why, 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 Georgia, why? Hi everyone, this is Teresa Roth. I am here with Sarah Smith and Port Wilson. And we are here today at the Women in Production Summit in Atlanta, Georgia at the GPB campus, I guess. Georgia Public Broadcast. Yep, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Well, we're very fortunate today to have Lynn Hilden. She's a PGA producer on the series Being Mary Jane, which I can tell you, I love, love, love that show. Love it. So uh, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about your work, your day-to-day work. Yeah, I am not a creative producer. I am um, more of a behind the scenes. I work on the budgeting, the sort of the accounting side of things, but I'm not an accountant either. Um, I start with a project in the development phase where I um, break down the script and I take out my piece of paper and um, create a budget. and. I love that side of it because I believe that when we create a budget, what we're really doing is creating a production plan. Exactly. It's the foundation for everything. Right. And and, um, the assumptions that we bring into the budgeting process are going to carry on through the production, actual execution of production. Yeah. And so, and I think also, um, I love all of my colleagues in the creative side. However, I think that we have a tendency in this industry to be afraid of numbers. Um, I had it, you, you know, we don't want to dig in. We're like, oh, I'm not a money person. I didn't really do good in math in, in high school. And I've, I, you know, I like to write. And, and sadly, that's great. However, um, we need someone on our team who understands that um, the script is actually going to cost us some money. Right. And what the trade offs are and what that looks like as we go into production. Do you ever experience um, in production people saying, like, moving money around if you've got something set? Absolutely. Um, 
<laughs> you know, I, I have a colleague um, who I like to say he thinks of the budget as really just a pool of money that right. he's going to tr- spend. Right. Um, however, I think that, you know, there's two sides of it. And one of the really important things to what I do um, as someone who writes the budget and then stays with the production all the way till the end and when it's like airing and, and we get to the end and you look at this final cost report, as you can actually use that as information and say, what assumptions did I make at the beginning that turned out to be false? And what assumptions did I not even think about that turned out to be true? And what did this this what did this narrative in terms of money end up looking like? Right. And um, I, I think that we, as humans, don't do a lot of um, reflecting. Um, and challenging our mistakes and also figuring out how to make things better or different. So so yeah. you're big into a post-mortem I think, after a show or a movie? Yes. It's, um, so one of the other parts of my story is I got um, a master's in business right, right, right. MBA from Emory. And um, I found every day of that to be this like extreme educational process in leadership. Um, and I think leadership is so important to what we do as producers because we are we are the ultimate leaders of this massive ship. Right. Um, and so in terms of the postmortem, it comes from the military and it's the after action review that the military does. And um, this is a side tangent, but I'm going to tell the story anyways. Do it. Um, if, you know, do just, it, do just it. have to tell the story. So, yeah. so the after action review. And I, I heard about this while, while pursuing my MBA. And I said, wow, God, you know, like, I can't believe that. And the other day on um, D-Day, I decided to find the um, after action reviews from my, no, 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 no. I was actually just trying to find a citation for my grandfather's participation and, and work on D-Day. And I knew, generally speaking, he was in the 709 Battalion. And I actually found, he was a first lieutenant, and um, I found his after action reviews oh my God. from two two events uh, during World War II. Wow. wow. That's so cool. How precious. And Very I, cool. Yeah, I was like, you know what, I told someone um, in terms of, of development and writing, I was like, this must. This is what discovery feels like. I, right. I, I did not intend to do that, but even then, I was like, okay, see, so right. This isn't even a new military concept. Um, they were writing after-action reviews, literally after the action of the war. Right. And at the bottom of the review, it said, "Here's what happened. Here's what needs to change." And he delivers his recommendations. These four things. Um, he's a tank guy, but. That really translates to production. It translates to learning. It translates to humanity because um, one of the things we do is we celebrate success and we think that all success is due to me. And we don't, we sort of assign blame to failure. And so when we actually, actually say, why were we successful? Oh, wow. You know, that can be really important as well. Um, so that's totally not what I was supposed to be talking about right now, but no, it's good. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a good story. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> and you know, I, I worked at the Gozueta Business School for ten years, okay. and um, love that that you got your MBA there. It's a great, great, um, probably one of the finest institutions in the United States. Great school, very good, and that's not an easy program either. Well, Lynn, as a writer and a producer and a director, I have made many, many, many budgets. And I know that that's very, very, very important. Like, oops, I forgot to get a 
a grip or whatever. <laughs> so uh, I know today you wanted to talk and uh, talk to the people here and spread information about overtime. Yes. So the sort of thesis of my conversation today was that we have sort of taken as an established norm, like a cultural norm of the way we do business in this industry is a 12 hour day. And um, this starts in the budgeting process when we say, okay, I'm gonna plug in to Movie Magic Budgeting a 12 hour day for every day that I am on production. I'm also gonna assume that my weeklies are working 60 hours a week. And then we plug in, well, you know, on location, you know, we're gonna have to load in, we're gonna have to load out, uh, 14 hour day, okay. And then we throw in some more overtime just as a slush fund because we know there's gonna be even more overtime. And then we um, budget a meal penalty allocation because we're probably going to hit some mill penalties. And what I say is that this means that from day one, we put together a production plan that by definition is an extreme job and an extreme um, pull on our resources, assuming that this is the only way that production can happen. And do you assume that it's a six day week every week? No, 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 we don't. Uh, I haven't worked on that kind of production. Um, I will say that my first um, lucky job, uh, my first job actually was on The Biggest Loser um, as an office PA. And um, that show was really great because the production plan had to take into consideration that the contestants had to lose weight. Right. So we, uh, and this was my first job in television, so I had no idea what the rest of the world looked like. Um, and I left this job where an episode could take 11 calendar days to eight calendar days, but we only shot five days an episode. And so we had days off. We, you know, we had sort of, we did do some tough days, but a lot of times we didn't because they had to work out. You couldn't push your contestants that hard. And so then I, I moved um, and I became a production coordinator on a show that I should not even name, um, but it's Top Chef. And um, they asked me to go to Napa Valley to work on the finale. And I'm thinking, great, like wine, I love wine. Like, this will be awesome. I can't wait to get to Napa. What I didn't know was there was a totally different expectation on this show. Um, from the day I landed in Napa Valley was exactly 18 days till the day that I um, departed. I left the hotel once, there was one day, um, and then I saw the outside world. And I was expected to essentially work 24 seven throughout those 18 days. And um, even when we went into the finale production, I had crew guys sitting in my office trying to figure out how to write a 20-hour workday. And I was like, <laughs> and the reason I know it's 18 days, this was nearly 10 years ago. And I still remember the 18 days because by about day five, I realized this was not for me. And I remember like counting down the days to departure on the side of my hotel room as uh -huh. I walked from the production office back up to my room where I might have a chance to sleep for a couple of hours right. before I was expected to be back in a meeting. And this was, that was by far the worst. Um, that's that's amazing. unheard of. Um, I, I've, you know, we don't want to talk about the legalities of that. Um, right. Uh, you know, certainly. But I think also, you know, when you think back as someone who's now left reality and, and established myself in scripted, and like, through my journey, I look back on it and I think it didn't occur to me to question the legalities of that. Right. It didn't occur to me to question 
how is it possible they're only paying me $1,200 and yet for a week, and yet they're expecting me to be on call 24 seven for 18 days straight without a break. And I didn't question that because I was still establishing my career and I and was, everybody else was doing it too. Yes, everybody else right. was doing it. And right. so you couldn't be the lone person who stuck your hand in the wall. Uh, uh, no, yeah. no, like, uh-uh. Right. Y- then you're you're the challenging kid and you're not asked back for the next season. Yep. And so we we sort of believe that to be true. And and in scripted, I came to Atlanta um, to segue out of reality television into scripted. And I learned that um, it, here we only worked five days a week. And I was like, hmm, okay, you know, this is better. Um, however, of course, it's still the challenge of a 6 a.m. call time on Monday morning and a 9, a 9 p.m. wrap time on Friday night. And I still didn't question anything, right? Like, this is great. This is fine. I'm working. I'm, I'm living my dream job. <laughs> I'm making television. And I went to get the MBA. And they said, this is an extreme job. And I'm like, oh, woo, woo, oh, that's what the lawyers do, right? Like consultants, that's extreme. And then they all look in the room and my colleagues, my cohort cohort are like, well, Lynn's the one in the extreme job. And I was like, huh, me? I, I make television. Um, I thought the doc- doctors, doctors are the extreme job, right? And then we really started talking about it and I had that aha moment. Okay. And um, one of the things I spoke about this morning is, is there's statistics about women and, and the barriers to success as women in extreme jobs. And so we have a work environment that by definition is an extreme job and it, it really makes the mountain we have to climb as women filmmakers that much more difficult um, and that much more of a challenge to really push through what I believe are sort of those those crucial days when we decide who am I as a person and where will I be when I am 50 years old and for me it was does that mean will I be a mother will I establish this great relationship with a guy and like fall in love and get married that didn't happen um (laughs) the mother part did it's just the great relationship with a guy and get married side um I that was and and I say to myself what's a sacrifice for where I am today and it's that it's that it's it's my relationships with other humans and so well is it is it the typical story that it's harder for women than it is for men because men usually you know send everything away to their wives or whatever i think that well as a single a complete single mom raising a child on my own i can like a little bit of the perspective is what part of this duty could i probably have given to somebody else and there's a lot of parts of the duty i can't um you know i can't the dad can't breastfeed the kid, right? We, we have to own that. Um, he can't, nine months of creating the kid was right. certainly a challenge. Yep. Um, but also, uh, I work with my production executive and my boss. He has a stay-at-home wife who takes care of the children, as does my production executive. So the two men I most closely work with both have, and and I think, God, wouldn't it be great if I had a stay-at-home husband? Yes. But, um, you know, that's a cultural barrier that I'm thinking, well, even if I had a stay-at-home husband, he still could not do some of the push and pull that a mother really has to do. And so... I think that there's certainly instances and I know people who have made it work and it's just it's a challenge and it's not it's not easy and I have my days where I think oh god you know CPA just just be a CPA and an accountant like a real accountant like and people are like well those jobs are demanding too and 
one of the real things about our work, which is, is one of the actual, when you look at the definition of an extreme job, um, is that you're on set. You are working away from your work, from your home. And so a lawyer can bring his work home. A, an accountant can bring work home. A consultant can bring work home. We can have a distributed a great workforce. Point. Yeah. But to do what we do, even for me, for me to grow into becoming a line producer, which was a career track I naturally assumed myself to be on until I, I sort of derailed, a line producer needs to be there in person, the command of the ship, making sure his team is being taken care of. And that becomes extremely challenging. And even there, I used the he masculine for the entire description. Um, it becomes extremely challenging when you have another part of your life to take care of, um, to be able to, to really execute at that high level. And so that's, you know, that's where I've started talking about it and started challenging today. I challenged the, the women in the room not to expect change overnight, however, um, to really ask what they can control. And um, I think we can all be more efficient with our time. We can all use and embrace the disruption that's happened in the United States since the 1950s to our benefit. Um, I think there are some processes in the production workflow that maybe maybe could stand a little bit of challenging and efficiencies and disruption themselves that would lead to shorter work days and um, a better sort of working condition for the actual creation of content. Absolutely. Mm. I, I admire you <laughs> after being on some sets. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much. That is great information and also information that needs to get out so what, let's hope that this podcast does the trick or helps to start it at least. Yes, yes. I think um, ground zero is always the conversation and mm -hmm. the, the acknowledging, the acknowledgement um, of, of the challenges to women becoming equity partners or parity or, or representation, all of the above in these below the line crew positions. But when we only try and talk about why it needs to happen, but we don't talk about why there may be some background challenges, um, it, it certainly doesn't help the conversation. Gotcha. Um, so. the, ch the challenges are always there. Yeah. Yeah, they have to be addressed. And I really appreciate you um, just telling us your story. <laughs> and I know you did an overview, but it, that was a lot of depth there. That was great. Yeah, it was, was really, really, really interesting. It opened my eyes to some stuff, too. Me, too. Me and too. that's I think that that's what I didn't realize was possible, right? Like just opening your eyes and thinking, wow, we just sort of think this is normal because it is our norm. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's the best, right, the, yep. the shiny star in the future norm. Yep. That's right. Well, we're going to watch you and see what you do next, my dear. All right. She's going to be a dis she's a disruptor. I like that. And we'll have you back. All right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. We are Girls on Film, and we are out. Mm -hmm.